Do you want to know how to grow an audience of raving fans for your podcast? Well, in this episode, we talk all things podcast marketing with Jeremy Enns, founder of Podcast Marketing Academy, a course designed to help you get more podcast listeners. And we all want that. And it's frustrating because it feels like it's the long way to do it. It feels like joining a community and engaging, that's going to take me months before people build up awareness of me and the brand. And then you try and take these quote unquote shortcuts and you spend a year and a half jumping from shortcut to shortcut. None of them really work. And if you had just committed to the thing that felt slower at the start, you would have had way better results. I'm Nick Schuldberger, Managing Director of Audio Agency Sound Cartel, and this is Podcasting Essentials. Welcome to Episode 9 of Season 5. And joining me is producer and co-host Nicole Goodman. Hey Nick, brilliant to be back for another episode. Now, podcast marketing is more your bag, Nicole, coming from a digital marketing background. But before we get to that, and on the topic of growing your audience, Amazon Music has finally launched its podcast offering in Australia. Yeah, and as James Cridlin said in last episode, Amazon's made a bit of a mess of their international rollout. Mm. But the good news is that they're here now and you really should add your podcast to the platform to make sure that you're everywhere that listeners might be looking. Yeah, absolutely. And you can submit your podcast in a few different ways. Mm. You can go via the Amazon Music website, but they've also produced a submission API. So many of the podcasting hosts will hopefully integrate with that. Ours has Omni Studio. Mm. So it's as simple as one click from the Omni dashboard and your existing podcast will be available in every market that Amazon Music has podcasts. That's great. Now, let's get to our chat about the best ways to market a podcast to grow that all-important audience. Yes, let's do just that. Jeremy Enns is the CEO of podcast marketing agency Counterweight Creative and creator of Podcast Marketing Academy, a high-intensity course for creative mavericks looking to grow a core base of evangelists. He's also spent the past five years travelling full-time and once he bicycled across Europe. But we'll cover that in a second once we work out where in the world Jeremy is right now. Welcome, Jeremy, to Podcasting Essentials. Hey, Nick and Nicole. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to chat with you guys. Hey, Jeremy. We're excited to have you. Now, before we get to the important topic of marketing podcasts and growing an audience, you have such an interesting story that it's worth sharing. So can you briefly tell us about cycling 3,500 kilometres, working in the same studio where Metallica, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, Aerosmith and Van Halen recorded, And also, where in the world are you right now? Because I just can't keep up. (laughs) Okay, how long do you have? (laughs) There's a lot of stories there. So, okay, the first one, back in the day, it was called Little Mountain Studios in the heart of Vancouver. And back in the 80s and potentially early 90s as well, it was like the who's who of glam metal and rock and all those bands that uh, you kind of mentioned there recorded just a ton of albums there. And that was a lot to do with uh, some of the producers who were there at the time as well. But uh, did work as an intern at that studio in some of the same live rooms that some of those iconic albums and bands recorded, which is pretty cool kind of legacy to be like a tiny, tiny, tiny uh, <laughs> little bit a part of. So, yeah, I, I worked a couple of days a week as an intern, unpaid intern at that studio for a while and uh, learned a lot and also 
over that uh, span realized that I was not willing to make the sacrifice uh, necessary to make it in the, the music industry, which other interns were were there seven days a week living in their cars, stuff like that. I needed to have a full time job. So that's the point where I kind of left the music industry and kind of set that dream aside and just started working manual labor jobs, stuff like that. Saved up enough money to take a year off. And a friend and I, that's when we cycled from well, we did a couple weeks in Iceland and then we flew to Norway and cycled down to Croatia, which was thirty five hundred kilometers over three months or so. I can't believe that now it's been six or seven years that have passed. It feels like such a, a recent thing. And it's just like one of those trips of a lifetime that I'm just so grateful to have had. I was glad to get that one out of the way when I did. And you've been making your way around Europe at the moment. Where are you right now? Where are you talking to us from? Yeah, so currently in Belgrade, Serbia. And uh, basically, my girlfriend is American. I'm Canadian. We got caught over in Europe during COVID. And we could each go back to our home countries, but not into each other. So we would have been separated if we went back. And so we were in Scotland at the time. And we spent five months there until our visa ended. And then we went to Portugal, spent three months there. Then we went to Croatia, another three months, Serbia, uh, the first time, and then Albania, and now back to Serbia. So we've wow. kind of been following the trail of wherever has the fewest restrictions on uh, foreigners or non-citizens entering the country, which has pushed us further and further east <laughs> as COVID has uh, got worse uh, over the past year. You're like pandemic nomads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wow, amazing. Now, Jeremy, you run Podcast Marketing Academy, and it's the skills that you teach there that we really want to delve into a little bit. So to start, what do you believe are fundamental concepts of successful podcast marketing? So many people, when they think of marketing, think of all the like flashy marketing tactics and strategies and stuff like that. And I think that those can be helpful at the right time. But I'm much more a solid foundation fundamentals type of person and leading with that, because in my experience, I can give people all the tactics, all the strategies, all the things you can try to get more exposure. And if you don't have that solid foundation, that solid base of fundamentals, None of them really end up working all that well, and it's just not sustainable. So I think it comes back to really being clear on who your audience is and and not just like who they are, but like where they are already engaging elsewhere. I think that so many people have such a hard time figuring this out. And once you do, all your marketing is really easy. If you know where people are, you can just go join those conversations and people will naturally come back to your show, to your business, to all that type of stuff. And I think that you just see that time and time and time again. And it's frustrating because it feels like it's the long way to do it. It feels like well, joining a community and engaging, that's going to take me months before people are like build up awareness of me and the brand. And then you go and try and take these quote unquote shortcuts and you spend a year and a half jumping from shortcut to shortcut. None of them really work. And if you had just committed to the thing that felt slower at the start, you know, you would have had way better results. And so I think like that is just community participation for me is just one of the non-negotiables that when you do it right, it's fun. And it's like you're engaging with your potential customers, your existing customers, the people who you enjoy talking about the same stuff as you. And so I think that that's just really one of those things that like the sooner you commit to that and just do that on an ongoing basis. Your content will be better. You'll be able to bring more people back to your show and your business. And it just makes everything so much easier. So I think that's really one of the, the big kind of fundamentals for me. And then I would say the other one, specifically for podcasting and specifically in 2021, where we are now, is looking at the differentiation and positioning of your show. When I first started in podcasting in 2016, like a lot of our client shows, like they were able to 
you know, not do anything super crazy with marketing and have good, solid information on a topic for a specific audience. And they just grew like weeds, basically. And so many people are still following that model. And I think that there's just too much noise. It's too crowded today. And so really getting clear on like what differentiates your show from the dozen other shows that are operating in your niche on the same topic, because if you don't, you're just one of many. And it makes it really hard for any listener to like look through all these shows when they do a search for a topic and be like, well, which one am I going to listen to? They just all seem to be the same. I'm going to just pick one and go with that. And what's the best way to differentiate yourself? What are some examples? Yeah, so I I think there are plenty of ways to do that. So it could be through the content, through the topic itself. And so you could just go super, super niche and just be the only show talking about this really narrow topic. So that's, you know, one way to do it. The other would be to do the same thing with audience. And so a lot of times there are neglected audiences who are underserved. I was looking at the charts a couple weeks ago, and one of the top shows is it's an online marketing show. It's probably the exact same content as the hundreds or thousands of others online marketing shows at a high level, but it's specifically focused on a very niche group there. And that was in like the top 10 or 20 shows in marketing. And I was like, wow, that's okay. That that like proves that point that like nobody else is going to listen to that other than people in that niche. And yet clearly there are enough people there who are engaged enough to take this show to the top of the charts. Also, combining both of these is a, a good way to go about that. And then I think the the last way that is becoming it's hard and it's also important is to start thinking about your show concept. And so really like how are you presenting the information in a unique way? Tim Ferriss has done so much for the podcasting world in terms of bringing it popularity and bringing new people into the medium. And he's also inspired a bazillion copycat shows where it's just all like interviews with successful people or top performers to discover their secrets. And it works for him. And it was interesting the first time he did it. And it might have been interesting, you know, maybe the second or third time when uh, the few other people put their own spin on it. But now we have so many shows out there and they're all basically the same that it's like, well, why would I listen to yours when I could just listen to Tim's? Like he's got higher level guests. He is a better interviewer. There's just all these things that you don't want to be competing with something that is the exact same as an incumbent kind of highly ranked show. And so I think if you want to interview top performers, let's say, you have to find an interesting way of doing it that hasn't been done before. And so when I think about concept, I know the first show that always comes to mind isn't actually a podcast, but it's a YouTube series. You might have seen Hot Ones. Oh, yes. The chicken wings. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Basically, the premise or the concept of this show is it's interviewing famous people who might appear on the daily uh, talk shows or whatever. They might be on the, the late night shows as well on a bunch of different podcasts, actors, celebrities. They've all been interviewed a thousand times before. But this show, they get interviewed with each question. They eat a progressively hotter hot wing. And so it's like a really entertaining, but also insightful format of an interview. And it brings something fresh to the table that these questions, these reactions don't come up in any other interview. And another example to take it in a different direction back to podcasting and not in an interview format is one of the top shows right now is My First Million. And uh, I don't know if if you've listened to this or come across it, but basically the two co-hosts, what they do, they have both had a lot of success in business. I think Sam Parr is the one co-host and he had a big acquisition, built a company, was acquired, has had a lot of business success. And so basically the two co-hosts every episode, and they do, I think three a week, which is insane to me. They do all the research on a, a market and on all the opportunities available. And they basically come up with 
million dollar business ideas and give them away. And they're like, okay, here is the, the market segment and here are the current opportunities. They have all the financial numbers. And so it's like, nobody's doing that partly because it's a lot of work, but also they have now become like, I think they're in the top 10 right now, uh, business shows and have their goals to be in the top five. And I was reading a Twitter thread that they were breaking down basically their podcast growth over the past year. And they've only been doing their show, I think, maybe a year or two. And Sam, the the one co-host, had said, the biggest correlation that I've seen in podcast growth is doing more research on the shows, is like putting in more work. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah, you want to think there's all the shortcuts. And yet when you want to go for the very top, the strategies, the tactics can kind of get you up there. And then there's a point where it's just nose down and doing the work. So I think coming up with a unique concept and standing out, doing something different that other people aren't doing, there's no kind of easy kind of simile for it. A different show that people could go to is one of the biggest things. If you want to create a really big show, that's a necessity at this point. So just building on that again, Jeremy, are there particular things that we should consider when producing a podcast that are going to enhance its marketability? Well, so I think the concept is the first one. And this is for people who are familiar with branding, there's like a concept called onlyness. And so that's basically that your business, your podcast, whatever you're creating is the only one period, full stop of that kind. And so that's basically coming up with a statement that says, you know, this podcast is the only podcast for X people that achieves Y result by Z, the way in which you help them achieve that. And so you should be able to fill that out for your show and be like, okay, this statement only applies to our show. And a lot of times people will come up with a clever statement. It sounds great, but if you took that and put it on your competitor show, it would still apply. And so you're like, okay, well, Maybe my show's not that unique. And I think a lot of people, when they hear about this, they're like, well, I'm going to just rewrite the words until I find something that makes it unique. And a lot of times it's actually reworking the show to make it unique. It's not about like dressing it up. It's about really looking at what can I actually create here that no one else is doing. And I think that that's not always a huge reconfiguration of everything you're doing, but it's just introducing interesting wrinkles or a different approach to the same question, kind of. And so I think that that is one of those cores when it comes to building your marketing into the show. As Seth Godin would say, creating a purple cow of a show, which I think anybody who's read that book like reads and is like, yeah, but how do I do that? It's a great idea, but I don't have the ideas coming to mind immediately. And I think that that's just to be expected. I think it's not something to just one day be like, oh, I know how to make it perfectly unique. It's to just start thinking about being aware of what other people are doing and just mulling on that and thinking like, okay, I'm just going to start trying everything. Every episode, maybe I'm just going to try a different way of approaching the topic, a different question, trying to find that unique angle and experimenting with it. And over time, you might hit on something. And I mean, I've talked to so many shows who started with one show, did an experiment, and that worked way better. And then they're like, oh, we're just going to do this from now on, because clearly that first idea was like, okay, and it got us to here, but this one's the one that we're going to run with that people really like more. So I think experimentation as well in that regard is a huge kind of necessity in terms of not thinking that you have all the answers right when you launch and that that's going to be the show you're going to create forever. Now, you mentioned before that shortcuts don't work, and I think we all agree in marketing that's a fairly fair statement to make, but... Are there some specific marketing tactics that do work best for podcasts? Yeah, I think it comes back to those cross promotions and partnerships and things like that. And so I think that there are 
curators of very many kinds and audience builders in every space. And so I think it's a matter of really getting to know those people without expectation. I think this is the only way to really approach it is to just start listening to their podcasts if they have them. Start engaging with them on Twitter. Just like hop on a call with them just to listen, get to know them and hear what they do. You do that a few times and you get to know people over a month or two. And it doesn't actually take that long. It sounds like, oh, yeah, well, I would like to do that if I had the time. But to actually build up a relationship with someone like that would take months or a year. And oftentimes you actually just you maybe have a few back and forths over Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever. And you're just interested in them. You get on a Zoom call. And by the end of the call, they're like, you know, I'd love to do something together. And like, what do you think? Could we come up with some kind of cross promotion? Would you love to come on my podcast? Or these ideas just come out. In my experience, it's almost impossible. Like when you get on a call with people that you actually vibe with and you have a kind of common interest, common audience, you both want to find ways to help each other out. And then the good things will happen. And so the first step, just become aware of the people in your industry, in your niche who have audiences or who curate content. Maybe there are newsletters out there. Newsletters are booming. I have a newsletter myself and it feels like What's happening now with newsletters is what happened with podcasting four years ago, where there's just this huge, huge boom, probably a huge bubble as well. But there are a lot of specifically curated newsletters out there and industry specific. And I think that's because those are the easiest to create. You don't have to come up with content yourself. Look for those. Just this week, I came across two newsletter marketplace type apps or websites where they're matching advertisers with newsletters, but also uh, I know there are like cross promotion opportunities and things like that. And uh, I know for me personally, I've had fantastic success advertising in one of the actually also Australia based pod news newsletter. And it's been one of the best. It way outperforms Facebook ads. It outperforms Google. Like if you can find that specific audience, a newsletter or a podcast or anything like that to advertise or cross promote with, it's such a targeted audience that you can get really great results out of either making relationships with those people or buying ads going that route. Yeah. What about on the flip side? What do people get wrong when they're trying to market their podcast? It's the frustrating thing that it does come down to those fundamentals and really like having something worth listening to in the first place. And I know that one of the classic kind of messaging tactics is when you're walking through like creating messaging for a product, a podcast, a brand, anything like that. It's like, you know, what do you do? Who do you do it for? And then so what? And you need to be able to have an answer. And that's a hard answer to have. Like, why should people care? And I think that that's something that, you know, we all need to constantly be asking ourselves, like, why does this matter to people? Why should it matter to people? Are they aware they have this problem? Are they aware that this is a good solution for them? And and if not, then there's work to be done in either the product or the messaging around it or, you know, getting in front of more highly targeted people. Yeah. And with more and more podcasts, it's becoming harder to do that. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I think that that's just, it goes back to the concept idea, I think. And I've started just keeping a running list of interesting concepts that I'm coming across. And just for my own reference, just to like build that list of like, oh, that's a really unique podcast. Like I never would have thought of approaching a show that way. And I think that you're really seeing this now where, I mean, we've gone through this in the past five years where it moved from almost entirely interview shows to Serial came along and all of a sudden that opened up this whole new world, this this new style of podcasting. And I think that that's going to continue to happen. And not everybody's going to create a Serial type show, but I think it's interesting to see what's out there and maybe borrow pieces from that and say like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that to that degree, but I can take pieces of this and that will actually spice it up a little bit, the interview style show I'm doing or whatever other format you're doing. And yeah, just being aware of what other people are doing and where there's kind of innovation or unique ideas happening that will help kind of 
fuel your own creativity and, and give you ideas for what to explore and experiment with. So Jeremy, once we are successfully growing an audience to our podcast, are there things we can do to nurture our listeners so that they not only stay engaged, but they also encourage others to listen? Yeah, and I think this is interesting because it ties back into that community building or uh, being active, community participation that we talked about before. And so the nice thing about that is when you start participating in the community before you have an audience, you're already kind of building that foundation for that audience. And then at some point, you can say once you've actually grown that significant audience, however big that is for you, maybe that's like a few dozen people who are really dedicated, or maybe it's a few thousand people. But once you've built that up, then it's time to say like, okay, now you've got people who are really engaged, and you can really lead the conversation with a little bit more intention there. And so I think that that's, that's a really important thing to do at some point. And I think that so many podcasters, one of the biggest frustrations is not having engagement, and not knowing like, you know, I'm putting out this great content. I believe it's good, but I don't hear anything from anyone. I see the download numbers, but nobody emails me. I get low social media engagement and there's just very low feedback. And so I think being able to start by engaging early and you'll have that engagement early on your and feedback on your episodes. But then at some point, taking that attention and trying to create a more kind of curated community of people who are really interested in this specific topic and giving that a specific focus and uh, having conversations in there that are relevant to your show. And I think that that can kind of like play into the podcast. I think you need to position that on the show as well. I think a lot of times people will say like, join our Facebook community and there's no reason. Like, why, why would I do that? And so I think that's partly in how you kind of moderate that community, but also in who you're bringing in and having a specific focus and how you're presenting it on the podcast. Ideally, like a podcast and a community should work very much together and and kind of be viewed as part of the same thing. And I think that that's where a lot of times people go wrong is they're just these two completely separate things. And they, they think like, well, they should feed into each other, but I don't really know, like, where am I trying to get people? Am I trying to get, use the community to get people to the podcast or the podcast to get people to the community? One is the more like teaching or you're sharing information. And the other one is really where the, the conversation happens around that. At some point, that is an important thing to do. And not everybody's going to be able to have the attention immediately to create that kind of gated off community, but you can still create that in public as well. I know a lot of people I follow on Twitter because they talk about all the same stuff anyway, whether they're tweeting, whether they're writing, whether they're podcasting, they're just, it's all part of the same conversation. And so it all kind of just feeds into itself. And so I think that you can do that in public without needing to like start a community and take on that added pressure sometimes of like, oh, now I need to manage this thing. And, you know, what if no one shows up? So start with a public conversation that's already happening. And then if you have enough of that kind of like critical mass of attention, try and move that into a more kind of dedicated space. So how can brands approach the evaluation of their marketing activities? Are there specific tips or tools that you recommend to determine the results of the spend? Podcasting is still somewhat opaque in that regard. And there are a lot of tools that are are making that better. And so Chartable is probably the most well-known for being able to track attribution and things like that for advertising. And especially if you're a brand or a network or something like that, there are some really fantastic tools available within Chartable. So I would definitely check that out. The other thing, I think so often we get stuck looking at all the numbers, right? And I think that's important, especially when you have scale. But I think early on, you want to look more at that qualitative data and feedback. And so if you have just a few hundred listeners, like I would pay much more attention to what people are saying about it. And if people are saying anything, 
I would hope that you're still, if the show is good enough, you're getting some engagement from people and you're actually hearing back, like, what what are you enjoying? What are the differentiators of this show? Like, what do you get here that you don't get anywhere else? Look at the stats every so often, but pay way more attention and way more focus onto what people are saying. Later on, when you have a lot more data to work from, I think then the stats become more useful. I know one of the things that's been really beneficial to me, and I know many other people have said this as well, is just opening up a couple of slots of office hours per week to your listeners, two or three 20-minute sessions. And you just have that on a weekly basis. You put that out there and say, you know, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on the show. And I'm going to ask you a few questions and then 10 minutes. The floor is yours to ask me anything that I can do for you. And I think for all of us, it sounds like you know, an hour a week, like I'm a busy person, like how am I going to fit that into my schedule? And yet like, wow, you get so much good information for your marketing and your messaging and to get to know your audience and your listeners. They give you so many ideas for show topics and all of these things. It's just invaluable and it becomes one of the most actually important hours of your week if you decide to do that. So I think that that is, uh, especially early on, but really continuing to do that always is a really important addition to your kind of weekly schedule and marketing plan. I think a lot of podcasters sort of assume if the download numbers are increasing, then no news is good news. But there's an opportunity missed there that they could be actually increasing by more and and engaging more deeply with their audience if they did take the time to receive that one-on-one feedback. So it's a fabulous idea. Yeah. And that's almost like a live survey. And well, and that's the other thing is I would, I do typically every six months, so I'll do two a year listener surveys. And so those can be really, really valuable in in getting, you know, a larger kind of swath of feedback there as well. And I did one a, a couple of months ago for my newsletter, but almost every one of them, I was like, oh, I can write about that and that and that and that. And I like didn't think of these things, but immediately they said them back to me and I was like, oh, yeah, this is a perfect fit for this newsletter. And uh, the other thing I did in there is I was struggling with the messaging around the newsletter. And so I just said, like, ask like, how would you describe this to someone? And why would you subscribe to this versus other newsletters? Like, what do you get here that you don't get anywhere else? And people will tell you that stuff. And I think a lot of times we're too close to see it and we're too critical of ourselves and we look at everyone else and think that their stuff is way better than ours and we could never do that. And that's just any creative pursuit ever. I think most of us always feel that way. And so I think other people can often give you a much more accurate kind of reflection of what you're doing well and where you could improve. Wow. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for joining us on Podcasting Essentials. It's been fantastic. Thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm certainly motivated to go away and put Jeremy's advice into action. Oh, look, so much common sense the way Jeremy outlines it all. But it's a slow burn, as is most marketing. But with the right strategy and done with consistency and effort, the benefits will definitely pay off. I particularly love his emphasis on starting with something unique and different to other podcasts, especially for brands looking to stand out from the crowd. Use your creativity and come up with something bold and brave. That's it. That's our mantra. Mm, Be brave. That's it. I absolutely couldn't agree more. In fact, the concept of original branded content, and that is emphasis on original, was the topic of my presentation at the Podcast Day 24 conference in June this year. It was. So we'll link to the video presentation we prepared in the show notes. Yes. But that's it for this episode of Podcasting Essentials. Thanks, Nicole, for joining me. It's been a joy. Thanks, Nick. And for more about us and how we can help you produce a podcast, visit soundcartel.com.au or our socials at soundcartelau. 
And if you're after business insights and inspiration each morning, do check out our daily podcast, Business Essentials Daily, wherever you're listening right now. From the team at Sound Cartel, thanks so much for listening. Listening.